This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Radio is often called theater of the mind. So today, I have to imagine what my friend Chip Patterson is wearing. I am going to imagine that he is wearing a tuxedo. Because uh, Chip is just tuxedo joining us. not moving clothes. That, you know that's not moving clothes. That is not. No. You, you cannot, with all the dust and debris that is going to be coming your way, you can't task a tuxedo with being your clothing of choice. How about a tuxedo shirt, a tuxedo t-shirt with the impression of a tuxedo on it? I have one. Yes, the impression, as long as it's a, uh, what is it, sweat wicking Yes. <laughs> I think Under Armour makes a tuxedo uh, T-shirt. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, Cover 3 Podcast. All right, I texted you a question about this particular issue. Uh, I think it was yesterday. So Colorado just had this spring game where they sold it out in bad weather. It was foggy and, I believe, snowy. It was crazy. And they sold it out. They had, like... I don't know, 5,000 people for last year's spring game. So Deion Sanders is the head coach. Now everything is happening. And after the spring game, did I read this correctly? 18 players entered the transfer portal after the spring game, including a couple of players who were like stars at the spring game. So Yeah, a wide receiver who had 158 yards (laughs) was one of the 18 players and that was just on Monday alone. Right. Um, look, you you almost have to take a step back and look at the roster for the Colorado Buffs at the end of the season and look at who is remaining. And we are down to less than two dozen players. Yeah. Uh, again, like less than 24 players who were on the roster at the end of the season for Colorado last year that are currently at least tick, tick, tick. You know, we still got a couple days left with this spring <laughs> right. portal window. Um, you know, I think it's 43 players in total are, are hit, have hit the portal, or 46 during this off season. And my uh, my colleague over at 24/7 Sports, Chris Hummer, he one of the things that it was a great career move. He just said when the transfer portal started, I'm going to be the transfer portal guy. Right. So he is like a great authority on the transfer portal, and he says uh, he always says that it's like um, very new age, forward thinking, and then he tags it at the end and says risky. And I'm paraphrasing there, but I'm not paraphrasing about risky because it in, it really explains what Deion Sanders is doing, which is a high-risk, high-reward proposition that in the modern college football world, you can rebuild a roster through the free agency that is the transfer portal. And he looked around that roster and, I mean, was giving a message. He said, I think you can be uh, – David Ubbin at The Athletic has a good piece up right now. Yep. The message was – uh, you know, encouraging. You can be a great player at the FBS level, just not at Colorado. See ya. Right. Um, I want, let, me, let, let, me, let me just ju- let me just jump in and uh, I because I think this is I, I read this number and this is obviously not all transfers because uh, players exhaust their eligibility. They had eighty five players on scholarship last year. Sixty seven of them are no longer in the program. If I if I if I read that. That is that is a staggering number. Uh, so and and it does it does seem like not all of these players are on board with the way this has happened. That Dion, whether it's just Dion being brash or 
Dion being mean, and it does seem like some of this is mean. Um, how does this look around college football? I think that that's why it's a, it almost looks like an experiment. Um, you know, well, hey, we'll see if he's going to be able to do it. And I, in my little corner of college football, on the Cover 3 podcast, which, of course, includes a lot of, like, you know, very nitty-gritty roster yep. management-type conversations, they are so thin on the lines of scrimmage that I think that there is a belief within the, the college football community that says, wow, this is an experiment. Wow, we'll see how this goes. He's got great wide receivers. He's got really good cornerbacks. Get eaten alive if he doesn't have any depth along the lines of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, the way that things are currently looking, um, it, it does not look good for the Buffs. They do not have power five level depth on the offensive line and on the defensive line. And I'll say on the offensive side, that is a big red flag because you're not going to go find tackles in the portal. I mean, it, tackles that by some you know a, a scout's eye. Um, some tackles that just are not considered all that good, they are hitting the transfer portal and receiving top-tier offers because of the scarcity of the tackle position right now in college football. Are you 6'3"? Are you 330 pounds? <laughs> um, like, can you put one foot in front of the other? Well, congratulations. The Power 5 team will probably offer you a roster spot. So Colorado could be in real trouble. Again, it is not necessarily to me about the way this has been handled with each player. It's a lot of more of a nitty-gritty roster construction. If you don't have depth on the offensive and defensive line, you are not going to be able to play winning football at the Power 5 level. Do you think, Chip Patterson joining us here on the Adam Gold Show, that college football as a whole is rooting against Deion Sanders? Absolutely not. Um, anyone with any stake in viewership, no, I'm not. I'm, I, I, I think I phrased the question poorly. Let me just say this in, like, in coaching. Do you think they're rooting against Deion Sanders? Adam Gold in studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. I was on your website, and I love the term financial termites because there are always things eating at your money that you can't see. So you don't want financial termites. Termites in the financial world are risk, fees, unnecessary commissions. All the bad things that we see and we hear about on TV are happening many times inside your portfolio you don't see. So you need a financial exterminator. Well, for the next 10 of you to call, we'll put together for you your very own total retirement plan at no cost. Call 888-843-0013. Or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. I don't think that there I, – I can't speak – I am probably not the best to speak to what coaches are saying off the record about Deion Sanders. I know that there's an immense respect for him as a player right. and you know a Hall of Famer, and I think that the sense I have gotten, and I haven't dug into this recently – was a little bit more of a, okay, we'll see how this happens, with uh, an eye probably towards predicting or projecting that it's not going to work out. You know, especially when you look at the the limited experience that he had uh, prior to arriving at Jackson State, I would guess that it is a, you know, looking out of the side of your eye like, okay, we'll see, very much a prove-it type atmosphere. But to my earlier point, I understand what you're looking at in terms of rooting for or against, but I'm rooting for Deion Sanders. Anything we do with Deion Sanders absolutely crushes. Oh. <laughs> incredible, incredible numbers. Right. I mean, this we we haven't had – Deion Sanders is the biggest thing college football has had since Tebow Mania. Like, this is right. a, an individual whose name – 
just automatically is good for about a 15% increase in whatever you're talking about just by being involved with it. So, like, college football, any, that's why I say anyone with a stake in viewership, in downloads, in listens, in clicks, and whatever, you are rooting for this to go either amazingly or horribly because just the presence of Deion Sanders in college football has led to an increased national interest because of who he is. Oh, there's there's no question. And, I, again, I mean, all you got to do is look at the stands uh, <laughs> in Boulder at the spring game. I mean, they, it, they, it was as though they were playing Alabama in the season opener already. It was uh, absolutely remarkable. Uh, but we know how, uh, like, he's new. It's What he's doing is a brand-new thing. And I think that there is uh, there is a natural backlash that you're going to get from that. Uh, do you think if it works, you will see a lot of coaches try to do that? No. Um, I think that most coaches would prefer for their own time management to not work the portal as hard as Colorado has in this cycle. And I will say, you know, as hard as USC has in the last two cycles, as hard as Ole Miss had, uh, in last cycle, LSU under Brian Kelly, that year one was a heavy, heavy portal uh, roster. He had a hit on a couple of great ones, but I think that most coaches would prefer to be in the same place as the two-time reigning national champions because you know what Georgia does in the portal? Says goodbye to players that are going there and then goes and signs another five-star coming out of high school develops them in the program, so then they're going off to the NFL. Coaches would prefer to build out that kind of depth through their own pipeline and then be able to go and use the transfer portal to address individual needs when someone goes pro early that maybe you didn't expect or, like in the case of Bear Alexander, decides to lead the program. If, if it works for Deion Sanders, more coaches will be willing to try it, but most coaches would prefer to recruit out of high school, develop in right. your program, and then be able to turn it over just like we see at, uh, at Georgia and at Alabama. I was actually talking about this yesterday briefly. Uh, NC State got a, uh, in basketball has a lot of new players based on the portal, and this is the way Kevin Keats has basically rebuilt the roster just about every year. Um, there's almost no continuity from year to year uh, at NC State for basketball, and that – I mean, I understand why it's a necessity, but it's probably not the best way to go about creating a program with consistency and staying power. I mean, if you have to reshape your roster every single year, and I know Duke has pretty much had to deal with this a lot, but it's all with you know one-year high school players, it seems. Uh, I just don't think that's the best way to build your team to having more consistency and continuity is probably better. Um, how different is it in basketball? I mean, it's probably more different in basketball. So wildly different. And, um, like, for start, I mean, Ed Cooley at Providence flipped rosters and used leaned heavily on transfers and, you know, has had a lot of success in the last couple of years, so much so that he got the Georgetown job. Uh, Shaka Smart at Marquette in his two years has really done a lot of transfer portal work to be able to put a team together. And the team that Chris Beard um, put at, together at <laughs> Texas before he was dismissed that Rodney Terry led to the Elite Eight, like that, that was heavily uh, put together through the transfer portal. And it is, yes, wildly different because of the way the game is played and because of just basketball in general being more of a 
fluid, positionless game, that there's not the kind of demands and the kind of stress that you have, like I was talking about with offensive linemen, right. and do you have enough offensive line depth? So to me, you know, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? You already are going to see more examples of flipping a roster almost entirely through the transfer portal. You're going to see more examples of it working out in basketball than you are in football. Coaches are going to be more willing to do it in basketball and football. And I agree with you that, you know, the, the way that Kevin Keats has almost made that some of his you know, program and, and part of the, the, the process really uh, is, is a nice zag to the zig when you look at some of his neighbors in the state and when you look at some of the, you know, the teams that you're competing with in the ACC. Steve Forbes at Wake Forest, again, also has had a lot of success utilizing the transfer portal, yes. identifying players that can come in and help you be successful. All that said, and again, like thumbs up, I understand. If, I, if, if there are NC State fans who have that as a criticism or at least a frustration – I think that that's a valid criticism or frustration. Hey, if you're going to just do it for a couple of years, we understand. But eventually, it would be nice if we had program continuity. If you are an, an, an NC State fan and that is your position, I understand it. But I, if I was asked to provide a national you know, retort or perspective, it would be look at Marquette, look at Providence, look at Texas. I mean, these are teams I'm yeah. talking about that have been very successful um, and so I, I think that there's clearly more wiggle room in terms of how accepted it is in basketball. Let me go back to Deion Sanders or really the Deion Sanders effect. As much speculation as we have had with conference affiliation, has Deion Sanders at all helped Pac-12 media prospects? I don't think so. We had Dennis Dodd on the Cover 3 podcast, and he was doing some digging. And usually that's from, like, the media consultant and and some of the people that even might work at some of the major rights holders and media networks. And as of right now, you know, with no games played with Deion Sanders as the Colorado head coach, the response was, look, these these are huge decisions and, and, like, one individual coach should not change the number that is associated with Colorado. Because if we're being realistic, these are 10, 8, 10, 12-year decisions. Do you think Deion Sanders is going to be at Colorado for the next 8, 10, 12 years? Every decision maker in the process would say no. So no. As of right now, Deion Sanders has not changed Colorado's value to the Pac-12. It has not changed Colorado's value to the Big 12 if the Big 12 were looking to do that. Would it make for a splashy way to win the news conference or the news cycle? 100%. But in terms of the decision makers who are doing the offers and signing the contracts, Deion Sanders, as of right now, has not changed the value of Colorado in the conference realignment chess game. I I just wonder if the University of Colorado, Deion Sanders or otherwise, is a big player nationally. My, My sense is that it really isn't. But because it just doesn't have there's not a lot of history there. It's not like if Nebraska could ever come back and you and I have talked about whether or not Nebraska has any future at all as a major player. I believe it does not. But because of its history, if Nebraska did, it would have value uh, to to television contracts. I don't think Colorado does. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Not right now. Certainly not right now. And um, the the sort of long-term projections here are, are really looking at the – the same fans and the hysteria that were in the stadium packing it out for the spring game, I think that from what I've heard, there is a lot of, mm, let's say, soaring expectations bordering on delusional. Oh, yeah. Is that fair? Okay. Like around <laughs> the program, close to it, in the community, like there are expectations that far, far exceed uh, what any cold computer or, you know, Bud Elliott is going to say for the winter, <laughs> right? Like they are going to get a four or a four and a half in Las Vegas as their win total. And the fans around there are not like they are, they're thinking bowl game minimum. <laughs> and the way that the fans, if, you know, if we end up closer to the projections and not to the delusional expectations, can the fans hang on? Like, is this going to be a flash in the pan? Is everybody going to check out? Because as much as, like, the national draw is Colorado a national draw, that is very interesting. They will be immediately. Can it stick around? But I want to know if they're going to get the support from people around that community because to make this happen year over year over year, you need the investment that's going to be able to uh, power an NIL collective. You need the investment that's going to be able to keep facilities uh, up to speed in the arms race. So that's that's probably my biggest like long-term projection. Is Colorado a player? Nationally, it's only Dion right now. He's got to experience a lot of success to change that. But I'm really concerned or interested in what happens locally because currently there is a wide gap between the expectations uh, there and, and the expectations you know in Las Vegas or elsewhere. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out because they really need to stick around. If Colorado right. is going to happen, they need to have that environment, which can be awesome. Uh, they need to have that environment be something that, that you want to put on TV, uh, not just for the fact that of the head coach. All right, final thing for Chip Patterson, then we'll let him go uh, pack boxes or unpack boxes. Are you in the pack mode or unpacking mode at this point? We are closing up the pack mode. I've got some, uh, some great friends. Here helping me. The truck's almost loaded. Then we'll uh, quick stop by a storage unit and then on to the new house to, uh, to unpack good for the next several hours. Good for you. All right, final question is this. So I, I am not against in any way, shape, or form storming the court or storming the field. Mm. Why is Greg Sankey against fun? Um, Jermaine Burton might have ruined it for us. And for those who don't remember, Jermaine Burton, who was at Georgia, now he's at Alabama, right. Alabama wide receiver. I think it was the LSU game, overtime loss uh-huh. in Baton Rouge. They stormed the field. I think he hit somebody. I don't like. I'm not reporting that. Like I would have to go back before really. Like there, there was at least a cell phone video 
of Jermaine Burton and a fan, and it was somewhere between, like, get off of me, get out of my face, and a strike. Right. And it was it was concerning enough that I think that the league office was looking at liability and was like, we just we, – we can't not – create stiffer penalties for this. And I, it's still in the working group. Am I correct on that? Like, I don't think you're going to lose a home game. I don't think that we're going to get to that point. Um, I think that it's one of those, they throw out really dramatic potential penalties, then they reel it back in just a little bit. Right. Um, but I, that's the, like, I'm, I'm with you. I like storming the court. I like just running on the field. I like all of it. But a player might have allegedly hit a fan. If a fan were to hit a player, like I just... Um, we, you know what? We, we call that natural selection if a player hits a fan. I, I, I just understand why that incident made somebody in the league office with all of the big numbers in front of them, I understand if that made them a little bit uneasy. Uh, it all comes down to money. Uh, Chip Patterson, you are the man. But he, uh, he, he ruined it for us, right? We can just blame Alabama. No, 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 Alabama no, 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 no. See, I don't blame the player for stress. I do not blame the player in that situation. I'm sure the player doesn't want to strike the strike the fan. I'm sure the player felt no seeking, there was no seeking it out. That's for sure. Right. I just I don't I blame the person. If if you are in a position and you are about to get bowled over by a football player when you're storming the uh, field or a basketball player when you're storming the court, by the way, they did great uh, protecting the uh, the kid in the wheelchair at NC State, right? Um, yeah. If 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 you're if you're going to be that fan, I got no problem if you get decked. Just like I have no problem if security tackles you on the baseball field when you're trying to do uh, a uh, a marriage proposal when you run on the field to do that. You deserve to get blindsided. Don't be a doofus. So, listen, i I think that uh, I, I think that storming the storming the court moments make incredible atmospheres for yes. the home team, and I want to go back to Kansas. State beating Kansas oh the gosh. octagon of doom and Jerome Tang stands on the scores table. He asks for the mic. <laughs> the students are on the floor. The arena's packed and he gives sort of just like a pep talk and you can't tell me that the confidence, because if I remember, it was like, you know, your classic Jerome Tang, yeah. you love each other, <laughs> you know, crazy faith and like he's, he's got a solid, he's got like four or five hits on his debut album that, you know, we're going to keep hearing in concert <laughs> for years to come. But he inspired so much confidence within that program and that fan base, starting with that midseason win against Kansas. And I, I just I want those moments yeah. still as, as for college basketball, college football. Like I don't know, man. Clemson lets them on the field all the time. Every game. But like for for college <laughs> basketball, I I would really like rushing the court, still be there. And you know we've done a good job, like you mentioned, of being able to protect the visiting team and coaches. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what comes out of the working group on that. Chip Patterson, you're the best. Go move. I appreciate your time, man. Sounds good. Y'all be well. Chip Patterson here on the Adam Gold Show. Went too long with Chip, but the, uh, I, I had to ask about the Greg Sankey thing. I don't understand. I mean, college athletics is like 90% atmosphere. Yeah. It's it's 90 Well, actually, that's probably uh, not fair. Let's say college athletics is 60% atmosphere. 10% tailgating. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, it's 90% atmosphere. For, I forgot to tailgate it. Yeah. 60% atmosphere, like 25% game. Yeah. And 15% drama. Oh, yeah. That's, to me, that's college sports. Why are we taking away the atmosphere part of it? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.